Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. I'm Guy from Guy's Shop, and as with me always are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Hello. 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 And we do depend on your questions for this podcast, so if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it along. And we also have a Patreon. Right now, we only have one level and we're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. And the people that are on Patreon, uh, we thank you very much. Um, always, always have more. You know how that goes. So, uh, JJ, if people want to email us a question, where can they send it? Of course, you can email us at perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. All right. Who answers those emails, you or Nathan? I know I don't. That's me. I think I'm... The one who answers this. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, so. I don't even answer my own emails, so. <laughs> you answer my emails when I send them to you. Yeah, that's true. That's You're a very important person. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, JJ, what do you got going on in the shop right now? Yeah, I just had a few printers show up. The new Bamboo A1 Mini. I saw showed that. Up yesterday. Short. So, that's been a lot of fun testing it out and uh we've only done a few prints on it so far but impressed so far especially yeah. at the price point what they're able to fit in to it comes yeah. tightly packed in a tiny little box i thought it would have to take two boxes to fit it Do all you, in there is there any any cons that you've discovered yet or is are you still like in the honeymoon phase uh so far i haven't found too many cons too many like deal breakers type thing. Um, yeah. There are downsides to it. Like the filament just sort of shoots out to the side <laughs> instead of on the, the larger P1Ps. Uh, it comes out the back, which is a little slot, a little bit easier. This one yeah. kind of just shoots it to the side. How, how messy is it? It's not bad. I put a tiny little vase mode print next to it. So it just all falls in the little, to a pumpkin right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad. So it, it still takes up a big footprint because of the AMS light. Yeah, the AMS being next to it is also another, it's yeah. not as footprint sized as the uh, the larger printers. Um, yeah. But it's nice and quiet. The screen is way better than the P1P. It feels like a complete package, whereas the P1P feels like a pared down Was next it, one carbon. It wasn't finished. Yeah, like it feels unfinished. And yeah. cheap components they put on it, um, but this one works surprisingly well for how little and small and lightweight it is. So so, so far, wh- it's going well. What else? And then the Anchor Make, uh, whatever their recent one that came out, the cheaper okay. one that didn't have a screen on it. It's um, just got a button on it. It's got a one big play button on it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how I like that. Um, I'm not a huge fan of using an app to control an appliance. Yeah, well, so. you do on your clipper machines, are they headless or your Voron's headless? Yeah, they? my Voron's doesn't have a screen or buttons on it. So that I use the yeah. web page for. Um, so we'll see how good the web page for this anchor make is. Do you, do you use any of the, the like mobile breaker for clipper at all? No. Phone? Or I, I'll just go to the web page on the phone instead of using any. Apps. There's actually a really good app called Mobile Raker. Mm, yeah. That uh, I use and it's it's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. 
I, I recommend it. Yeah. Uh, have you, have you used Molerker, Nathan? I haven't. No. I am a USB drive kind of guy. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You're off off grid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you got going on, Nathan? Anything good? Well, I've just been enjoying some time off. You know, it's always good to take a little break from content creation. Not mm-hmm. for the audience because, you know, they don't get my great, amazing content for a little a while. But uh, for me, I, just, I think I just needed to take some time off. Um, last week, I went out to the Micro Swiss factory. Uh, that's out Ooh. in Mich- no, uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, nearby that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty interesting. They, they definitely have a lot of in-house expertise in how to manufacture things. And it was fun to see it all. So I'll be making a video about that. Cool. Is that, is they have, I assume they have a, a bunch of very large industrial CNC machines. Yeah, they have all a, the work. Yep, they have a lot of CNC machines. They've got like two big horizontal mills um, that have like automated tool change and uh, like work holding changeover. Like it's all automated basically. So they can load up a bunch of billets of aluminum and press go and then go home overnight and it, it finishes like, <laughs> you know, 24 or 32 parts. Um, so it's cool to see all that stuff. Um, they don't do a whole lot of 3D printing for being a 3D printing company, but they do actually print out all their fan shrouds. So they had like a mini print farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just mishmashed a lot of uh, Ender 3s that are running their proprietary extruder upgrade that they developed. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like everything micro Swiss, I just think of machined aluminum, everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So all the big stuff is machined out of billets or blocks of aluminum. And then smaller stuff like nozzles and like inserts and gears, those are all uh, machined out of round stock, either steel or copper, or um, some of it is made out of titanium. So yeah, I thought they were a Swiss company when I first heard of them. (laughs) Because, you know, micro Swiss, but they named after the type of lathe that's used to make Swiss watches. So that's like a Swiss company mm-hmm. that they get their um, their machines from. So since they have a lot of expertise using that Swiss lathe, they called themselves micro Swiss. Yeah, but it's, yeah, there's some cool machines there. I've always wondered how they cut the holes in the nozzles. I, I assume it's yeah. just a drill bit, but it's got to be a really tiny drill bit. Yeah, I think they just use a really tiny drill bit. I didn't see that <laughs> part of the process up close. Um, but yeah, the the machines are designed to... I mean, if you work on a lathe, it's pretty common to have a maximum working diameter of about 12 inches or 6 inches. Um, and the lathes that they're using have a maximum diameter of 1 inch or 26 millimeters. Wow. So they can't even make larger parts. Like It all has to be small stuff. But, you know, what you're trading off in, in terms of working envelope, you're getting in precision and sturdiness yeah. and hmm. accuracy. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a company that makes, um, you know, and I'm using air quotes, high precision woodworking tools. Right. That's mostly like squares and rulers and stuff like that. It's a company called Woodpeckers. And they're located south of Cleveland, in o- Cleveland, Ohio. And I toured their factory once and I was really impressed with all the stuff they do as far as machining the aluminum and everything. So So it's pretty impressive to see all that stuff. 
Yeah, high precision and woodworking is like plus or minus a quarter of an inch, right? <laughs> no, we, we, we measure everything is still in inches, but we measure stuff by thousandths of an inch. Hmm, okay. Hmm. So uh, anything that's around four thousandths of an inch is considered good, which is about the thickness of a human hair. Yeah. That's, that's the about- kind of precision I use. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that precision means it's within a 32nd of an inch. Right. So, it just depends on what you're making. Like if you're doing nice joinery, you probably want to be almost machine level um, tolerances. I if- always want to be machine level tolerance. <laughs> doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm, I'm all my stuff is very, very well tuned anyways. Uh, but yeah, seeing that kind of stuff, you know, you, you think, you know, what, a factory like that looks like until you actually go there and see all the stuff they're doing, especially the quality control, not quality assurance, but the quality control, what they do after the stuff is made to test everything. And it's, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. Right. That's the part that's hard to copy. Like you can get someone else's product in hand and be like, Oh yeah, I can, we can cut out one of those, but the quality assurance and quality control processes that go into it, is what makes sure that you get a good product every time. And that's yeah. harder to replicate. Yeah. Consistency is key. So, all right. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Any news you guys want to discuss? Nathan? Well, you've yeah. always got I, something you want to discuss. guy up to? Any yeah. new? Oh, what am I up to? I'm up to nothing. I, uh, uh, I've been down for a couple of weeks cause I've, I've, you know, I'm an old dude and I have to, I have to like go to, the doctor and the hospital and stuff like that. But uh, last weekend I put up a fence in my, on my porch. That was my woodwork. It was made out of plastic. It was PVC (laughs) fencing. I did not print it. Not a 3d printed fence. (laughs) It's not 3d printed. I'm, I'm, I'm just about ready. I just got to clean up a few things for my wife on the honeydew list. And I'm about ready to start building my Voron 2.4. I think I'm going to get some of it done this weekend. I'm actually going to build the hot end and put all the electronics together first and get all that taken care of. Because that always seems to be a time suck when you're doing that stuff. And I'd rather do it on the bench rather than when it's on the machine or installed in the machine. So I'm going to, I'm probably going to start there. I'm not going to video any of this. Um, yeah. I didn't video mine at all. And it was a great idea. That's a great way to make it take 10 times longer. Yeah. 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 Um, so hopefully I can get started this weekend, but you know, it's, it's a it today is the what? 17th or the 18th, 17th. 18th. On Saturday, 18th, on Saturday, Saturday is a big day for me because the, the Ohio State Buckeyes play Penn State at the shoe. So I know you guys don't care. <laughs> so anyways, that's, that's what I've got going on. I've got a lot of college football going on uh, on the weekends and stuff around the house, so. So you were, you were going to say, Nathan, what, 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 what did you want to bring up? 
Yes, there's something in the news that's uh, incredibly important for Nathan's us to talk about. Nathan's News Hour. We need to get a little um, like the news. Like a yeah, we need to try. New York State bill would require background checks to buy 3D printers. Huh? Yeah, so I guess they're worried about people printing guns so uh, or gun parts. So someone introduced a bill... Um, to uh, crack down on the potential misuse of 3D printers for manufacturing gun parts. New York City or New York State? I believe it's New York State. But uh, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm no journalist. So state bill, yeah. It seems interesting. Um, it, it, and it says the same bill would also make it a class A misdemeanor to to share, distribute, or sell files containing blueprints for three D printed firearm components. So they want to you they want you to have a license to have a three D printer in your house. Well, how, not a, just a background check before you buy it. You know <laughs> how do, how do you enforce something like that? What does that look like? I wonder. Well, and especially when you start looking at like what you're getting, which is a 3D printer kit, which is like a bunch of individual pieces you could put together, uh-huh. buying from multiple sources. So I don't know. seems pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know how you, I just don't know how you enforce something like that. Right. You know, um, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And it's like you're you're concerned about a small fraction of a percentage of people misusing something. So yeah. you're going to impose limits on everybody. Um, yeah. And as far as I know, it's not really a widespread issue. I mean, maybe they have information that I don't, but nobody that I have ever talked to personally, well, I don't know. I, I might have met a, a person here or there that's interested in printing gun parts, but um, yeah. it's not something that I think about on a daily basis. No, not at all. I wonder how many people out there actually do. Like you said, it's probably a very, very small percentage of people in the hobby. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just... I mean, you can yeah. misuse a a, um, a steel pipe and, you know, put a cap on it and install a little firing pin. That's just stuff that you can buy from the hardware store. You know, I, I don't want to get in a discussion about politics and what's good or bad or otherwise, but it just seems to me that there's so much stuff going on in the world right now. Is this really what we want to waste our time pursuing, you know, for a state government or a local government? It just, I, I don't get it. There's, I wonder there's, how other, much... there's other things we can be doing. For sure. Uh, just say it sounds like an early bill. So it's like, how much real traction is there behind this bill or is it just a news story on i don't know yeah well that's how it always starts out we'll see if it goes anywhere yeah if it does then we'll have to i mean it'll definitely affect us and what we do because Mm -hmm. any customers in that area are going to be like well sorry i can't buy it this printer isn't Mm -hmm. relevant to me yeah yeah but again you know uh, i i am a gun owner so Getting a gun is relatively simple. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's simple. You just fill out a form, you wait, you know, a week or so, and you get a gun. I guess from the way I'm looking at it is 
I don't have anything in my background that would prevent me from getting a 3D printer. Mm, so right. it doesn't really matter. But what if you are? Like, what if you're you have a, a felony? Then you're seriously not going to allow someone to have a 3D printer just because of the criminal background? Depends on what the felony is for, more than likely. Mm, yeah. You know, if it's a felony for, you know... 3D printing uh, guns. <laughs> 3D printing guns. <laughs> That's one thing, but if it's a felony for, you know, repetitive jaywalking, that's that's a different matter. So I don't know. I don't know. Um it's just it just seems ticky tack. There's other things to do. Anyway, so you guys ready for some questions? Yes. Yeah, let's get into it. This comes from us from our friend John Strand. John sends a lot of questions and thank you, John. And he says, hello, Guy, JJ, Nathan. I was wondering if you could discuss the idea that the 3D printing hobby has come full circle from the early days of the Stratasys machines to the current crop of the machines from Bamboo Lab, Creator. Is that Quiddy or Chitty? Chitty. I think it's Chitty. Chitty. Flashforge and the myriad of other manufacturers that aren't making quote-unquote open source machines. Also, what are your thoughts about keeping some parts closed while open, open sourcing others' parts? For example, Bamboo Lab Slicer versus their firmware. He says, I know guy couldn't give a crap as long as it prints, <laughs> but what do you think, uh, what effect do you think this has, this partial open sourcing will have on the hobby long-term? I mean, no one cares that their microwave is an open source. So does that even matter? Thanks for the podcast and your opinions. I, I, I would say that no one cares if their microwave is open source, but your microwave isn't your hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, That's while true. a 3D printer is. So well, what do you think about all this, JJ? Maybe there's a deep community of people modding their microwaves out there. <laughs> You know, upgrading, putting new yeah, turntables. Well, they, I was, they, I was they, they don't print benches, they cook hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised to see there's actually a pretty big modding scene for espresso machines. Yeah. I've got there's some plans a, to mod mine. <laughs> yeah. There are subcultures for everything. But uh, no, really, what do you think, but, JJ? Yeah. Do, you, do you think the 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 days of modding or I kind of like or? this the realm of some of these companies going towards partial open sourcing um, for like certain parts of it to be open source but then they do have their own little niche because it kind of makes these printers so easy to use or so easy to replace um, I don't think it will kill the hobby of foron fans and rat rig and everyone who wants to build their own printer or buy a cheap ender and upgrade it and do things like that. I think that will live on for quite a while, yeah. but I do see the benefit of this closing down some of the things to be able to create more appliance type 3d printers. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for, you know, just plugging it in and turning it on and, and going. However, you know, you look at, you look at the, the, the bamboo machines. If something breaks on it, you have to get the part, for the most part, you have to get the part from bamboo. 
yeah. to get it fixed. Uh, or you can wait three weeks to get a cheap Chinese knockoff from AliExpress. Hmm. <laughs> well, if it's like an under three or, you know, I, I, I recently just got a um, Creality CR10 SE. Almost all the parts on that I can just get on Amazon mm-hmm. or one of a dozen different sources and get parts for it like super fast. Right. Yeah. Just about everything except the control board and the, yep. the tool head board. Mm-hmm. But the control board can be replaced easy. Yeah. Right? You can put a big true tech board in there. Yep. The, that hot end you could swap out fairly yep. easily with something else. If Creality stopped being a company tomorrow yep. and you have to replace it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Nathan? Well, um, I think Bamboo Lab isn't interested in open sourcing. I think they've open sourced part of their IP only because they had to, with, because it was mm-hmm. based off of Prusa Slicer. If they developed their own slicer from scratch, you can bet they wouldn't have open sourced it. And I, I imagine a future where they're probably going to um, close off their slicer, like start a new project, new software up mm-hmm. from scratch and then have a completely closed source slicer as well because it doesn't really benefit any company financially to be sharing their IP. Yeah, but with so many, you know, let's let's look at slicers for a moment. With so many good open source slicers on the market, if you close source your slicer, nobody's going to buy the damn thing. First of all. Yeah. So, it's a, if you want to say, you know, it's just for your machine, great, but there's so much open source stuff out there you know, you're going to be able to slice files for their printers, regardless of what they do. Yeah, but think about it. If you if you want a company to come out with something like non-planar slicing um, with an extra axis and be able mm-hmm. to do much better overhangs and uh, come up with all these innovations, I don't think Bamboo Lab wants to give that kind of information away to their competitors so that they can keep up. They want to be able to captivate the market and... Uh, leapfrog everyone and, and make does, Bamboo Lab the only logical choice for a purchase. Does, does anybody want to give away that information like that, though? It seems like Prusa does, <laughs> or did. They don't want to anymore now that they've seen how that bites them in the the behind. Or Cura bites them in the ass. You can it. say bite them in the ass. Like Cura keeps open sourcing their slicer, and every company takes it and uses it. Yeah, but nobody uses Cura. So I actually <laughs> just kidding, I'm, just kidding, I'm kidding. I just, I just, I just. It's about equal between Prusa Slicer yeah, and I saw the, Kira. Your poll, and it was at least the. It was a few hours after you posted it, and Kira was winning at that point. So yeah, by maybe a percent. <laughs> yeah, it was very close. Well, how did it end up? Um, it's at pretty much. Um, it's a pretty even split between. Bamboo Studio, uh, between Orca Slicer, Prusa Slicer, and Kira. Or maybe not. I mean, I'd have to look at the results. Mm-hmm. But basically, Prusa Slicer and Kira were at the top, sure, roughly equal. And then just below that was um, uh, Orca Slicer and then Bamboo Studio. And then Creality Print. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. people that use Orca Slicer for their Bamboo Printer. Well, what I like about Orca Slicer is that um, if you have a Bamboo Lab printer and a couple other printers, it makes a lot of sense to just use it on all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, versus 
if you have Creality Print, you're not going to use that on your Bamboo Lab printer and you're not going to use that on your Voron. You're just going to use it for your Creality printers. Mm -hmm. So having Orca Slicer as like neutral ground, I think is actually really good for um, having a common development platform. But the issue is, you know, eventually if someone wants to pour the hundreds to millions of, uh, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars into figuring out you know, some more advanced topics in slicing, they're going to want to be able to reap the rewards of that um, through, you know, being able to only support their printers, which will give them a competitive edge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, getting back to printers for a second, um, you know, that I remember when the, the Creality K1 came out and they had, you know, the, the, the Clipper or excuse me, the Creality OS software. <laughs> Yeah. which is just a, a kind of like what everybody does to Cura. They did it to Clipper and they just reskinned it um, mm -hmm. and changed a few things. And people went absolutely batshit crazy because, oh, it's Clipper. It's got to be open source. What do they think they're doing? And it, they finally, you know, gave into that and, made their their firmware for that open source yeah so i was kind of involved with that from day one um with people telling me about all that you know how they're not respecting the license and what i consistently heard from creality was that they were just waiting you know to get a stable version of their os before they finally open sourced it um, and do you they think finally that's believable? I, I believe them. They've always mm -hmm. they've open sourced so everything they have pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, everything else back. they've done. And that one updated the firmware so many times in those first few months that it was like, yeah, this isn't yeah. a stable release that they could actually release to people. I, I, I don't have any reason not to believe that that's the, the case either. I'm just playing devil's advocate because, you know, For sure. that's... That's what I do. <laughs> but, um, you know, but even like the K1, most of the stuff on that is not, the, the hardware-wise, forget software, hardware-wise is not open source. Hmm. Yeah. Right? I'm, I mean, I haven't looked into it, but I imagine not. Um, from what I've heard from them, they're planning on open sourcing that as well. I think what they realize is that you get a little bit of goodwill for open sourcing your stuff from the community. Mm -hmm. um, and by the time, if you delay the release of your files for like a year, that design's basically obsolete anyways. So it's yeah, not really giving your competitor that much of an advantage. So you're, you're, you're talking about changing it to open source, giving you a little bit of goodwill with the modern or the hobbyist community. Yeah. So you've got a company like Bamboo, and I'm not I'm not talking smack about Bamboo, but they kind of stick their finger in the eye of open source and say I'm, they just won't do it, right? And they get into these, you know, arguments back and forth on social media with other companies about their open sourcing of the stuff. That doesn't seem to, you know, you said before about the, the, the goodwill. That doesn't seem to have hurt them at all yeah. with consumers. 
Yeah, well, I think because of the quality of their machines. So, does it is it really affect a company that much as far think, as our revenue streams go? I don't think it really affects them that much. But the thing is, is that they're not violating any terms of any licenses. Versus what Creality was doing was technically not like legally sound, where you're taking an open source software project and not disclosing that you're using it and not um, releasing the source code for it um, versus you compare that to what Bamboo Lab is doing and they're just developing their own thing that's completely separate from whatever is available in open source. Um, and that's you're perfectly within your legal rights to not disclose that information if you're not basing it on an uh, open source project. So their firmware isn't based on Clipper? Um, I don't believe it is. Some people say it is. It's like kind of a bit of a conspiracy theory, but I mean, you know, it might be, it might not be. Um, well, just, no for, evidence. just for argument's sake, let's say it is based on Clipper. Would they be violating the open source yes. licensing? Yeah, yeah, they would be if they based their okay. software on Clipper. There's a lot of people that believe that the bamboo firmware is based on Clipper, right? I mean, it's possible. But, but there's, there's people that believe that. There's hundreds of companies that produce G-code interpreters. So, I mean, I don't think it's completely implausible that they've built their own from okay. scratch, especially since they had years to do it. It's fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying where I feel like Bamboo doesn't get any flack for kind of closing things down because their printers are so disruptive. Like, they put out some really good printers at good yeah. price points and stuff, um, and I think everyone else is kind of catching up and all that. Um, but, yeah, I feel like they don't get the flack that other companies do when they don't yeah. follow uh, the open source rules. They've um, definitely changed the the landscape of mm -hmm. 3D printers that are on the market today in the last year that are available to consumers now. There's no doubt about that. I don't know anybody if somebody said, no, they haven't changed. Oh, yes, they have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, they, they have. So, but again, uh, I just wanted to, to throw that out there that they don't get any flack at all for yeah. doing that. Or Very not little. As as, Not as yeah, much as Creality well. got. But it's interesting with this A1, how I, I was looking through their website and like every single part, they're not all, since the printer's not fully released yet, um, but it's kind of a nice thing to be like, oh, I can go to their website and they've got a nice, well laid out website. Mm -hmm. And if this lever breaks, I can go on there, find that lever, buy it yeah, and get it. Versus Creality's website is way harder and you might not be able to find exactly which wheel broke on yeah. which printer. Um, and, and Bamboo does ship their stuff very, fairly quick and they've got warehouses here in the U S so mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not like Amazon quick, but it's within a week. Yeah. Here in Indianapolis anyways, because most of the stuff comes out of California, I believe. Mm, yeah. So have you ever had order parts from Bamboo, Nathan? Yeah, I've ordered plenty of stuff from them. It's always within a week, from what I could tell. Yeah. Unless it's out of stock, and then 
they're the only people that sell it. But yeah, that doesn't happen too often now, especially now that they're they've got their supply chains a little more established. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those I are the two you. downsides: are if it's out of stock or in a few years, will you be able to buy the original P1P bearings or this yeah. or that that you need for it? What if they, you know, in, in three years, they, they end a line, all the parts for it. And they say, mm-hmm. well, you know, you got to buy this new one because we're not supporting those anymore. Well, that's something that I'm, I'm pretty sure is going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't, you don't have infinite, uh, well, yeah, yeah. runtime yeah. machines. Like you, you're making a lot more money if you force everyone to buy a new printer every two years. So it'll be like Apple. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, we could go on like this for hours, but we're not going to. Either you want to add anything else to this conversation? No. Um, no, yes. I, no. No, yeah, we're good. Uh, I, I will throw a little fuel on the fire, though. I All was right. talking to uh, Flash Forge, and apparently they said the Adventure 5M does not use clipper and it's like does it <laughs> does it not use clipper so I, i'll have to get some clarification from them but it uses is, does that one use fluid right oh no that was my cheaty printer i reviewed recently yeah um, i i haven't been able to get the wi-fi the connectivity or work on that one yet they said either. that they're updating it and it's not clipper so they have to f- push an update out to it to get that stuff working hmm yeah All right, on to the next question. This one comes from Justin, and he says, Howdy, howdy. First off, love the show. Thank you for the awesome content. Well, you're welcome, Justin. So I'm semi-new to 3D printing, semi-tech alert, but very mechanically inclined, just as a backstory. Anyway, I have an Ender 3 V2, been upgrading it a bit, and I'm at the inevitable crossroads of hot ends. I believe y'all have touched on some, but I haven't seen a complete episode on them, or at least titled as such. Sorry, still catching up on all of them. Um, So here are my parameters. Ender 3 V2, converted to direct drive. Um, He's got a CR touch, and he has no reservations on moving it, and I would like to print hot materials like plastic. (laughs) Sorry for the long-winded letter, but any help or perspectives would be great. Thank you in advance. Justin. JJ, you've never had an Ender 3, have you? No, I've never had an Ender 3 V2. I've got Ender 3 V3 SE is the only Ender 3 (laughs) I've ever used. Um, So you got in in the the good years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Skipped the bad ones. Well, the V2 was very good for when it came out, but mm, uh, yeah. yeah, it's two years, three years old now. But uh, your older, what, what what was that machine that you had? It was like an Anycubic Mega, Mega S. Mega S. That used yeah. like a standard hot end? So that one, I swapped out the whole hot end for a 3D printed one. Um, that was just something I found on Thingiverse. And that's what I liked, to just find something to 3D print. And put on there, and for a popular one like that, there probably are 3D yeah, printed yeah. options. Um, or if you want the all-in-one route, there's a lot of really easy. If you buy something from Micro Swiss or 
all these companies, big tree tech have full, complete hot end assemblies that gives you the extruder, the hot end, the nozzle, everything kind of compact. Where's the go. first place you would look? Would, uh, I know you'd want to print your own versus mm-hmm. buying one, right? Yeah. Okay. I would probably look on printables, search for that inner three V2 hot end swap um, and see what else is out there, what other people have done. But you can't 3D print a hot end, so what would you use for the actual hot end part? Yeah, I think I think Justin is not only referring to the hot end, but uh, also the tool head as a whole, because he says mm. I have no problem about re- re- uh, moving my CR touch. Okay, yeah. So I think he's ready to just change out his tool head. So I'd probably go to Big Tree Tech just because I like theirs. Their uh, uh, descriptions are really easy to use. They've got a I don't know their current offerings for extruders or hot ends. There's the Big Tree Tech BQH2. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's an uh, extruder hot end combo. Um, I used it on one of my printers. It was the gears made a little bit of noise and it's kind of heavy. And if you get uh, like flexibles tangled up in it, it's kind of annoying to take apart. Um, but if you're just printing regular PTG, PTG and PLA, it's pretty good. Um, and I imagine ABS and all that kind of stuff would be good as well. It's just you have to take off like four screws to to open it up. Versus on some other designs, mm-hmm. like the stuff from Micro Swiss comes to mind. Um, it's a lot easier to access a jam if, if that happened. There also was not a whole lot of, because I looked at that at one time, there was not a whole lot of pre-designed fan shrouds yeah so yeah Mm. for the biku h2 i drilled a couple holes in my carriage plate and bolted it on there and then found a fan shroud that kind of worked kind of yeah i imagine nowadays some more people have come out with um like fan mods for it there's the creality approved route which would be probably the uh the sprite hot end upgrade kit Hmm. Which does, I, that, does that change the, the the fans or anything like that? Um, it does. It's it comes have with to. yeah, yeah. It comes with its new fans and basically rewire everything down to the base of the machine. Um, and that one's all right. I it works. There's nothing wrong with it. I, so. as you guys know, I had an under three V two, and I put um. The micro Swift, micro Swiss NG hot end, and extruder on that thing, and it was a beast. Yeah, it's a nice extruder, really nice. So it costs more than the machine, though. Is the only thing. Yeah, it's like one hundred thirty yeah. or one hundred forty dollars. <laughs> it's not cheap. I went. I actually toured their factory last week, and yeah, you know, it makes sense that it's expensive because they're using a lot of um, machines to get to produce them. But what a lot of people like about them is, um, well, I mean, the, I toured the factory and they have a lot of quality control. So, you know, that what you get is going to work, but also they have an extremely short path from the extruder to the hot end. So like on a Bowden tube, you've got maybe a foot of distance between the extruder and the, um, and the hot end and all of that filament that's being put in compression to shove it through the hot end is acting like a big spring. So that's yep. affecting your 
the amount of precision that you can extrude plastic with by making that as short as possible. And that's the whole idea behind doing a direct drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting more precise control because you're pushing the filament in and taking it out like right at the source of where you need it yeah. to be. You know, I, I, one of the things that I did on this that machine also, one of the things I did on my Ender three or my Ender five, um, I ended up putting. I printed my own tool head, and it's the. Oh, I can't think of it. The <laughs> another senior moment, um, but I know I did use the the Haldis. Oh, the Haldis Red Dragon. Red Dragon Haldis, which is a dragon clone. That's only yeah. like 40 bucks. That thing rocks. That's what I actually have on my Voron 0.2 is that Haldis. Uh, it's a red lizard. Yeah. I think that's what they call it, red uh, lizard. Because it's a dragon. Yeah. But not really. But it's... it's not really a dragon. But it's it looks exactly like it, and it works exactly the same way. And it's, it's a really, really good hot end. Um, the uh, Hero Me hot end or tool head is what I'm using, which is all printable and it works with anything. It's kind of annoying to have to configure all that stuff. But once yeah. you have it figured, once you have it figured out, I've got it figured out now and I can put together a, a, a hot end or a, a tool head that works really quick. But it gives you the, the nice thing about it is, is it starts with a base um, just a base thing that you work off of and you can put different, you can put two fans on it. You can put one fan on it. You can put big fans on it. You can put small fans on it. You, there's all kinds of different options that you have for this thing, which is kind of cool. And um, yeah, so I, I did put that on my Ender 3 V2 before I got the micro Swiss. And that's what I have on my Ender 5 right now. Is the Hero Me mm. hot end with the then you can dual assemble. 5015 fans. You can use any extruder you want. If you want an yep. orbiter, if you want an LGX light, if you want a, yep. or whatever hot end you want to pop on there. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's very uh, versatile. Yeah. Very. Uh, the only thing is it's, it's all free. The STLs are free, but to get the guide, you have to mm. pay him $3 on Patreon to get <laughs> yeah. access to the guide. But once you do that one time, you'll get the guide and then you'll figure out how it all fits together. Now I, I did this, that about a year and a half ago and I still pay him on Patreon cause I, I, I really feel it's worth helping that guy continue the, the development of that product. I think it's a good product. Well, I have a different experience with that, uh, hero, <laughs> me gen whatever it is yeah um i download the stls and i'm like oh man this is confusing how do i put this together and then i find out that i have to download the paid yeah the Uh pdf so i went on patreon i paid him the two or five dollars or whatever it is downloaded the pdf and it still confused me so i was like you know what i don't want i don't want to use this so i deleted it from patreon deleted all the files off my computer and he sends me a message like every three months like hello former patreon <laughs> it annoys me so yeah. well I'm, I'm i'm sorry it annoyed you i had a, i had a good experience i i wasn't a big fan of paying for the the 
the right to do it anyways. But, you know, the, the thing is, you know, I'm a, I'm a patron of yours, Nathan. Wow. I don't know if, did, did you know that? I, I didn't know that. I have too many Patreons. I'm trying to actually cut oh, back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I actually am because I, there's a couple things that you've done that I've said, you know, he spent a lot of time and effort to get this done. And I'm sorry, JJ, I'm not. Yeah, uh, I don't put time or effort yeah. into anything. Um, but, you know, Nathan spent a lot of time developing yeah. some stuff and and I find value in it. And it's important that, you know, the, the thing is, if, if, if we're going to continue to move forward, especially, you know, we're talking about open source before there has to be some kind of incentive for some people to do this stuff. And if it's, if it's my $3 once a month for a year or so, that's fine. I'm good with that. You know, paying somebody 30, 40 bucks for something like that. Yeah. It's better than me going out and buying it for 60, 70, a hundred dollars. Some of the stuff costs. Right. Plus so, it's a fun project. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, anyways, I I hope that helps, Justin. Um, there's a lot of good stuff that you can print out there. There's all kinds of different tool heads and stuff on printables. That's a good place to go. So, all right. Ready for the next one? Yes, let's do it. All right. This is from Jesse from Burbank, California. He says, hey, guys, thanks for the thanks for the great podcast. He says he has a two part question. He says, I have an old Kitty Cheaty X plus that I modded with the Icarus 2 mod from printables. I absolutely love it. However, recently I needed to change the heat break. He wrote heartbreak. <laughs> it is a heartbreaker. I am yeah. using a Fetus Dragon standard flow with an Orbiter 2 extruder. That's a nice setup there. He says, I somehow managed to damage the four tiny posts that go into the dragon head. I have ordered replacements from numerous places online like AliExpress and Triangle Labs. And for some weird reason, I have been having issue receiving these after ordering multiple times. Other items arrive, just not these stupid posts. So I was wondering if you knew of a hack I could use to replace them with. Uh, Such a strange design, in my opinion, and any any advice is appreciated. I now understand why Nathan threw one of these cheesy printers in the trash. Did you throw one off your balcony, Nathan? I did. It was the uh, cheesy X-Max. Okay. He's a very heavy printer. <laughs> well, you're a very beasty guy, so I'm sure it just picked it up and flew across the, the thing. Yeah. He said, I'd also like to put a better main board in this machine. Any suggestions? So uh, first I want to ask, because Nathan, you had one of these machines mm-hmm. and the Icarus 2 mod. What is the Icarus 2 mod? So I was actually considering installing that. Um, Basically, it comes with a print carriage um, that has like their proprietary parts mounted into it. And it's kind of heavy and the cooling isn't great. So um, someone developed this Icarus mod and you can just print it out and pull the old carriage out and plop the new one in. And it's supposed to improve a bunch of things like it makes the tool head lighter. 
gives you better part cooling and makes it compatible with all these uh, um, kind of third-party extruders and hot ends and nozzles and stuff, which is a big upgrade because the original extruder and hot end that comes on those older generation of 3D printers, was uh, it was kind of underwhelming. It was kind of like almost like five-year-old technology on a, a printer that wasn't that old. Mm-hmm. Um, the modern Cheaties, like the Cheaty X Plus 3 and the Cheaty X Max 3, those ones... Um, X Max 3 Plus Deluxe. Yeah, those ones are running Clipper and have a much better hot end and extruder setup. But, you know, I those older ones... A little out of date. <laughs> yeah, they're they're always like half a generation behind, it seems yeah. like. But it, the at least the new ones are quite fast. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would say that the, the ones that I received are... Um, they're kind of plasticky, but they perform up to, you know, what, what we expect nowadays. So. Yeah. So getting to his real question was, which was, you know, there's these little posts on that Fetus Dragon, if you're familiar with it. Yeah. That the, the, the aluminum heatsink block goes up into that the, the heaters in the heater block. That's the, the word I'm looking for. That, and that attaches to the, the the cooling of the of the thing. They are pretty thin, and they are mm-hmm. pretty easy. I would imagine. I have not broken mine. I've got a couple of those hot ends. I have not had the misfortune of breaking them though. Um, are they what, what, what would you guys suggest to Cause, do? Because I've got one. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I thought they were screws up in there. Yeah, so there's a couple of screws, and then they have little spacers that are like tiny little pipes, essentially. Mm, They're hollow yeah. tubes to so that they don't transfer a whole lot of heat. Um, I would say just about anything could go in there. Like you, you could put just solid little pegs in there that would do the same job, um, but they would transfer more heat, so you'd lose out a little bit on the heat break performance. You'd be transferring more heat from the hot end up into the heat sink. How much do you think? I don't know. Uh, it's something that if it was my printer and I just wanted to get something going, I would just do it. Yeah. It'd probably work. Mm-hmm. Um, you, couldn't you use this without those posts? Like you're I think technically you could. Missing out on a huge functionality here. But if it's a few weeks before those posts arrive, you know, you could make it work. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it would work with or without the posts because if it if it's using the posts to to like prevent it like to lock everything in place yeah it could just yeah. be kind of loose if you excluded them mm-hmm. um, but there's like the printer that guy uses with the red lizard that yeah. is essentially the same design but without the posts because it doesn't have mm-hmm. any of those mm-hmm. uh, yeah. posts. And that's, you know, the the whole deal with slice engineering's patent and not yeah. wanting other people yeah. to use those things. So maybe they're having an issue shipping them to the U.S. because it's like. But that's been over people. with. No, that crap's been over with for a while because you couldn't get the dragon for a while. And now you can. Now it's okay. readily uh, available again. Yeah, I think they came up with some way to. um kind of to install it with the posts kind of, I don't know. There's, there's like a bunch of the the guy from Fetus explained it to me and I was like, you know what? I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause 
the screws like push on they they like clamp the heater and the uh the so heat sink together your fins mm. but then they have the the like little thing in in compression and yeah well that's that's one reason why i just kind of avoid kind of highly proprietary designs like that when i can i mean could you go to ace hardware and buy some aluminum tubing and just cut it and put it on there it may be a little bit bigger but you might be able to you could i still would still do that i would actually recommend if you're serious about solving this problem going to mcmaster car mm-hmm. um they have virtually every type of screw tube and fastener and you can probably find some spacers or standoffs that you could uh, insert there that's what what i'm thinking yeah the issue with cutting your own is that you don't have the level of precision that you need to be able to do that i I mean i I could get it within four or five thousand well if you have like uh, (laughs) access to some nice uh, what you said no that was the other guy that says he's very mechanically inclined um If you have access to like a lathe or a machine, uh, some kind of precision cutting machine, you you might be able to do it yourself. But if you look Mm -hmm. around in the McMaster catalog long enough, you'll probably find something that fits exactly what you need. Yeah, that's 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 good advice. What about the the main board? Is that a pretty standard main board? Is there any like proprietary cables that run between the main board and the tool head? I just took a cursory look at it. It looks like. it looked like it used standard connectors, so you would be able to substitute your own mainboard in there. You yeah. would just have to be in charge of uh, setting up the firmware to run with it. Yeah, yeah. and in which case Clipper would be a good idea. Are you familiar with yeah. this machine at all, JJ? Uh, not this version of it, just the newest GD ones. Um, but yeah, always with replacing mainboards, I would start with seeing if, if someone's done it, done it to Clipper, if someone else is files are out there um that's always the easiest place to start with Mm -hmm. and then working from there um and replacement boards it's always big tree techs seem to have the easiest uh documentation and files for everything makes it i'm I'm, I'm a big i'm a big fan of big tree tech stuff yeah so all right anything else on this one you guys i think that covers it um, I think that's about, that's, that's, about uh, it. that's it. All right. So I think that's the end of the questions and that'll be the end of the podcast. And uh, thanks guys. And remember, we really need some questions and participation from you, the listeners. So make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and ask us. Nathan, why don't you tell everybody where you can be found? Just go on YouTube and look up Nathan Builds Robots and I'll be there. Also, JJ? Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead. Also, to the person that asked about uh, Hot Ends earlier, I actually have a video called Hot Ends 101, which might help. Might be worth looking up. Nice. All right. JJ, where can you be found? And I'm on YouTube at JJ Shankles. Anything you would like to plug? No. Uh, Shorts. A lot of fun shorts I've been posting about Halloween and fun fall things. Yeah, I saw saw that one of the... The pumpkin, that was the multicolor. I, I saw the thumbnail for it, and I'm like, well, that can't be Nathan's or JJ's because <laughs> it's multicolor. Boy, was I oh, yeah, I printed one. I 
was like, let's, I've got this AMS. Let's do one multicolored let's do print. do one. All right. <laughs> it was fun. And uh, if somebody wants to email us a question, where do they send it, JJ? Or Perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. All right. And I can be found on YouTube at Guy's Shop and just about everywhere else at Guy's Woodshop. And uh, real good, guys. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. See ya.